by what I do? An artist, an accountant, a teacher, a mother? Or am I what I've achieved? An honor student, an MVP, a winner? Am I the things I've done right? Or am I defined by the things I've done wrong? Am I a saint, a sinner? What about what others think of me? Am I all of these things? None of these things? Who am I? How I identify myself determines how I approach life. If I am what I do, I'll always need to do more and achieve more to find my value. If I am what others say, I'll always try to please people instead of my Heavenly Father. But if I listen to who God says I am and embrace His identity in me, I'll find the freedom to live out all He has planned for me. God calls me His child. He says I am wise and restored, that I'm a brand new creation in Christ. I am chosen and holy and blameless before God. He calls me His masterpiece. I am loved by God. He says I am made complete through the grace and mercy of Jesus, my Savior. And when I see myself the way God sees me, I walk with confidence because I trust the one who answers the question, who am I? Good morning. How y'all doing this morning? Well, you look pretty good, that's for sure. Hey, does anybody know what time the Cowboy game comes on today? What time? 4.40, good. I just want to tune in for the last, their last game of the year. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you too, Tim. <laughs> this will be their last game. So, you ever notice how when your team's not in it, you hate on the team you hate? <laughs> yeah, I, I've learned to do that really well. <laughs> because the team I cheer for is hardly ever in. I was going to be a Bills fan this year, but it started off pretty bad. <laughs> so I went back home. Hey, I read a story recently about Bill Clinton. A story he wrote about himself, or he tells about himself. You know, Bill Clinton, one of the things that he, uh, uh, he's known for, obviously, is he was a president in the 90s. And, but one of the things that people know about Bill Clinton is that he, he was a uh, charming guy. He had a lot of charisma about him. Well, one day, Bill Clinton decided to spread some cheer and, uh, and some charm, and he went to a nursing home, and that's a great place to go if you have a personality like his, and, and, and he thought he would visit people. You know, uh, oftentimes, people in a nursing home, they're discouraged, and, and uh, uh, they're depressed, and, and, uh, and he thought he would visit them to cheer them up a little bit. And he went in there, and he began to talk to a lady who was sitting kind of out in the hallway in a wheelchair, and... And she was, uh, she, she was just not listening to him. And so he, he tried uh, to talk to her a little more, you know, and, and she was still not interested in what he had to say. And he was thinking to himself, he said, uh, I didn't understand it. And, and finally he said to her, ma'am, do you know who I am? And she looked at him right in the eyes and she said to him, no, sir, I don't. But if you go talk, if you go out there and talk to the nurse at the, at the front desk, maybe she could help you. <laughs> you know, it, which, uh, which speaks to a problem uh, that we have today. 
in our culture today. So we're starting a new series, as Gay already mentioned, uh, called Identity. And our key verse for this series is going to be from 1 Peter uh, chapter 2, verse 10. We read that together, if we could, on the board there this morning. 1 Peter 2, 10. It says, once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. Wow, y'all did pretty good. That's better than any service this weekend. Let's do that again, though. Once you had no identity as people, now you are God's people. And that's what we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, 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 this, uh, tackling this idea of who I am. Who I am. It seems to be the greatest cultural question of our day. Honestly, as I reflected on this message this week, as I prepared it, and it was very intense in my office preparing that this weekend for me, uh, because this is an area of my life that I've struggled with most of my adult life. It's who I am. And, and as I was working through that, I thought about this is probably one of the greatest things, one of the greatest dangers, one of the things that's happening the most in our society today is this question, who am I? Who am I? You, you know, we, we hear it all the time. Am I a man or am I a woman? Am I homosexual Am I heterosexual or am I both? You know, am I Republican? Am I a Democrat? Am I a Green Party or a Tea Party or an Independent? Who am I? Can I get the light up there, please? Who am I? In suburban Fredericksburg, you have people who define themselves by the job they have. They are their job. They define themselves by the house they live in or the community they live in. This house is what made me is what people think, and their, their entire worth is built around this house, or this job, or their children, or their ability to dress, their fitness. Now that I think about fitness, this is the time of the year that those fitness places love, those health centers love, you know, because everybody makes that, uh, it's a new year, I'm going to lose weight, I'm going to get in shape, and I'm going to do all that, and they sell all these memberships, man, you go by there now, the parking lot's jammed, by about June, there won't be anybody there. But you know, and I know you're thinking, I hear you out there thinking, well, you fat boy, you should be there yourself. <laughs> and, but you know, I was thinking about those health clubs, and I was thinking, uh, you know, you get this guy that's uh, doing these curls. I guess that's what they are. And he's doing them over and over and over again, and he, he's bench pressing every day, you know, 500 pounds. And then he posts it on Facebook. Now, you know yourself, when you're posting it on Facebook, it isn't about your health. It's about vanity. Really what it's about is my identity is wrapped up in how good I look. My identity is wrapped up in how many pounds I can lift and how many miles I can run and how many steps I can do. And so it's not about really for everyone about being in shape. It's about identity. It's wanting to look hot. I don't even have to work at that. Uh, <laughs> It's about being looked at and even wanting others to be envious of us. You know, others define themselves by the way we feel. You know, I feel happy, I feel sad, I feel uh, excited or depressed, or I feel bad, I feel good, I feel like a winner, I feel like a loser. And we define ourselves that way. You know, so whether it be your job, your car, your house, your feelings, or your religious standing, or whatever, we're trying to find our identity. So this desire for identity never goes away. I mean, for me, it started as a child. 
trying to discover who I am in this world that I'm living in, growing up in a home that wasn't that pleasant uh, for the first several years of my life and, and trying to find out who I am. And, and, it, and it just changes as life changes. As you get older and older in different stages of life, it, it, it changes for us. It never really goes away. What is the meaning of identity? Identity is this belief you have about who you are, who you are as a person. It's, it's how you see yourself. It's your mental picture that you have. And so today I want to look at, kick off our series by talking about identity theft. You know, uh, talking about uh, uh, identity theft and taking some time to look at that. Identity theft is one of the fastest growing crimes in the United States and around the world. A few facts about this crime. In the United States, according to the Federal Trade Commission, Identity Theft Survey Report, 10 million American consumers discovered that their personal inv uh, information had been used to open a fraudulent bank account or credit card or utility accounts or used to commit other crimes. You know, a few years, a couple years ago, Gay and I went to Georgia and we stopped at a uh, at a gas station to get some gas and our identity got stolen. Our credit card information got stolen and I didn't know it and I'm going on, I'm home and, uh, and uh, Capital One calls and Capital One, they said to me, they said, uh, is this Herman? I always hate that question. <laughs> yes, this is Herman. <laughs> uh, did you buy a swimming pool? I said, no, <laughs> I didn't buy a swimming pool. They said, well, how about an outdoor patio set? I said, nope. Didn't buy an outdoor patio set. Well, he said, did you buy a barbecue, a, uh, a grill, a gas grill? No, didn't buy a gas grill. They said, well, how about a widescreen TV? I said, no, I didn't. They said, well, your credit card has been hacked or whatever they might call it. That's a popular word today, hacked. I'm sure it's the Russians. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm not going there. <laughs> I thought about it. I thought, man, somebody's got a swimming pool in their backyard. They got a nice new patio set. They're all kicked back, barbecuing steaks and watching the Redskins on a widescreen TV. I don't want to say cowboys. But anyway, that's just, I think about that. You know, and, and the chip hadn't helped because I bought some other stuff for other people since then. Identity theft cost about $53 billion annually. Americans spent 300 million hours resolving issues related to identity. And if you take the steps, if you don't take the steps to protect your personal uh, information and your personal identity, you will be a victim of identity theft from people like this. I used a credit card to treat myself to a little chunk of heaven, baby. That singles weekend in Tijuana. Freaky deaky. But first, I needed to power up my babe magnet. Self-tanning cream, fresh hair plugs, and a complete wax job on the old chassis. Ouch. <laughs> Slow down, ladies. There's enough Larry for everyone. <sighs> <laughs> oh, I love that. <laughs> But there's a more damaging, far more dangerous form of identity theft, and that's what I want to alert us to today. Spiritual identity theft. Uh, spiritual identity theft occurs when someone or something tries to rob us of who we are in Christ. So today I want to make us aware of some of the ways our spiritual identity is stolen. Uh, first of all, our identity is stolen when we don't understand our spiritual enemy. 
Now, I don't know, you know, some people like to discount that there's an enemy, but I got to tell you, if you're a believer today, we have a spiritual enemy. And if we don't understand who that spiritual uh, uh, enemy is, uh, he will rob us uh, of our identity. If you're not aware of, of, of his mission, he will steal our identity in a flash. His name is Satan. Some call him the devil, but he's Satan. Uh, either way. But Jesus calls him a thief. And he warned us in John 10.10 10, that not only was he a thief, but his mission was uh, uh, not only to steal uh, our identity, but it was to kill and destroy us. To steal and destroy us. He not only wants to steal your identity, he wants to kill and destroy anything and everything in this world that belongs to God. Satan's in a battle after the things that belong to God. And if you're a Christian today, do you know that you belong to God? When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, if you confessed your sins, invite Jesus into your life, however that happened with Jesus, then you belong to God. And the Bible clearly teaches us that if we belong to God, if we have a relationship with him, that God brought, bought you at a high price. He bought me at a high price. He gave his only son who died on a cross for the forgiveness of our sins. So you and I were bought at a tremendous price. And because you were bought by God, you belong to God. And whatever belongs to God, God protects. Whatever belongs to God, God fights for. And you belong to God, and God's going to protect you, and God fights for you. Because you're his child. You belong to him. So how does Satan steal our identity? Just a couple ways. First of all, by reminding you and reminding us of our past. You know, he wants to continually remind you he wants to continue to remind you of all the mistakes, all the bad decisions, all the dumb choices that you made in your past. You know what I'm talking about. You know, we, uh, we need to uh, learn from our past. I mean, I've learned so much about me and how I respond to you and how I respond especially to my family because of my past. But you know, I, as, as important it is to learn from the past, it, we got to be careful that we don't continually condemn ourselves because of our past. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The Bible says the old is gone and the new has come. Now I'm here to tell you with some good news today. When you invite Jesus to become, uh, come into your life, you become a new creation. You are brand new, the Bible says. And if you're a Christian, the person you used to be is gone. It's wiped out. It's gone. You may be the, in the same body, but you are brand new. You're a brand new person. So the next time the enemy tries to steal your identity by reminding of your past, just remind him of his future. Because you're a new person. You're not that old person any longer. You are a new creation. And the devil likes to remind us of our past, but you remind him of his future. Another way that Satan steals our identity is by convincing us that we are our sin. That we are our sin. Now, he likes to call us by our sin. He likes to identify us by our sin. You know, adulterer, addict, liar, murderer, fornicator, cheater, hater, and on and on and on again. He likes to call us by our sin. He identifies us by our sin. I can tell you uh, uh, there, 
there is no doubt sin can negatively affect our present. You know, I was uh, over at Christmas, over at my family's, and the day before, uh, the weekend before Christmas Eve, I preached on dealing with difficult family members. And really that message was for me because I love my family, but it's difficult to go home at Christmas Eve. Every year it's difficult. And I go in, I'm kind of on guard. And, 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 and this year we're there, we're halfway through, we had great lunch, and, and we're sitting around the Christmas tree, all 20 of us, or however many of us it is, and, and the kids all get, they exchange names and get Christmas presents, and they're opening the Christmas presents. And I said something, I don't know exactly what I, I said, and my older brother looked at me and said, buddy, you're just a liar. You were born a liar, you've been a liar all your life, you're a pastor now, and you're a liar, and you will always be a liar. And you know what? Man, he, he only remembers me from my childhood because I was a liar. I mean, I'd lie to get out of trouble. I mean, I would, as a young person, I, a youth, I would lie. And I, become, I became known as the liar. And I got to tell you, you know, in 1980, I became a Christian. And I got to tell you, God created a new person. And I'm no longer a liar. But I got to tell you, it took everything I had inside of me. It had calling on the, name of the Je- uh, on the name of Jesus. At that moment, I had to walk out on the porch and say to myself that I'm not a liar. That I'm a new creation in Christ. And the devil likes to name us by our sin. He likes to name us by the things that people remember about us. Too often our sin gets linked to what we believe about ourselves. And as I said, I had to fight like crazy on December 24th of just last year to remind myself that I'm a new creation. Because in the past, every time he's called me a liar, I bought into that. And I thought, yeah, that's, I guess that's what I am. In other words, our personality, our identity becomes associated with the things that we've struggled with in life. The strategy of the enemy is for us to believe that we are actually are our sins, which is not true at all. And it's important to realize that the Bible says he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. And you know, if you start walking east, you can never go west. You can never find your sins as long as you're walking east. The Bible says that he has cast our sins into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered against us again. And when we bring them up, God's going, what's he talking about? What's he talking about? And I got to tell you, when Jesus forgives us, he forgives us fully. And I got to tell you, if you're still uh, feeling shame and guilt from your past, all you're doing is saying to God, God, your sacrifice was not good enough for my forgiveness, so I'm going to keep nailing myself to the cross. Jesus says he's cast us. He's forgiven us. The Bible says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just and will forgive us of all of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It's like it's never happened in our life. This, they might be things that we struggle with, but they're not our identity or who we are in Christ. Another way our identity is stolen is by believing the lies of others. You see, we lose our identity when we hold on to those lies told to us as a child by our parents or a teacher or a coach or, or a pastor or, or some other significant person in your life that has said those things about you. You know what I'm saying. 
You know what I'm talking about. Like, like you know, those things that people said to you, like, you will never amount to anything. You are a sorry human being. We didn't plan for you. You were an accident. You are a loser. You are a nobody. You're dumb. You're stupid. You, don't, you, you are not coordinated. You'll never amount to anything. You're incapable. You're weak. You're ugly. You're a nobody. You're fat. And so on and so on. And they're all labels that are given to us by somebody else. And you know what we do? We accept them. We accept them. And all of our life, we live believing that's who we are. We live our whole life believing that that's our identity. It's what other people tried to put on us. And I'm here to tell you this morning, we are not our labels. We are not the broken person we see in the mirror. You see, the moment we start seeing ourselves by what others say about us, do you know what we do? We start behaving like that. And the problem with that is our behavior is most often a reflection of our beliefs about who we are and what we're like. And we never get spiritual victory. It's usually consistent with what we think to be true about ourselves. Let me illustrate. There, there's an animated movie called Ice Age 2. Anybody see that movie? Come on, don't lie. All right, some of you saw it. Okay. Uh, it, anyway, it illustrates this, what I'm talking about, the power of identity. In the movie, there's a mammoth, which is a prehistoric elephant named Allie, who lost her herd when she was just a baby. And as a result, uh, she, adopted, she was adopted by a family of possums who brought her up as one of their own. Now, growing up in a family of possums, she began to believe that she was a possum herself. And the result was she behaved like a possum. She played dead when predators flew overhead uh, and, and uh, she hung upside down to sleep and she ran away when other animals came. She never realized that she was a mammoth, the largest and strongest animal around. And one day she met a male. She met a male mammoth by the name of Manny. And Manny, he tried his best to convince her that she really was a mammoth and she shouldn't be running away and hiding from everything she saw. And he brought her one day to a pond and he asked her to look at her own reflection in the pond to see who she really was. And, and when she looked into the water, she, she exclaimed, I am a big fat possum. <laughs> see, she still wasn't convinced that she was a mammoth even though the evidence was right in front of her. And what's the lesson in that? There are some of us around here today or watching online, some of you sitting out there today, that still believe that you are a big, fat possum. That you refuse to believe that you are a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come, and you are a new creation, a new person. You're not that label. You're not that sin. You're not your past. You are who God says you are. You know, and, and what happens to us, the, real, the fact that I want you to realize is that you have tremendous, tremendous potential in your life. And God has an incredible purpose for our lives. And he wants us to do some amazing things in your life. 
but you believe that you're a possum. You believe that you're what has been told to you all of your life. And I'm saying to you, it's time for us to slay those voices in our head and follow Jesus and believe about ourselves who he says we are. You see, Romans 8, 1 says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Another thing that can steal your identity is comparison. Galatians says, each of you must examine your own actions. Then you can be proud of your own accomplishments without comparing yourself to others. Assume your own responsibility. One of the fastest ways uh, of discouraging yourself and losing your identity is when you compare yourself to others. You know what I mean. Woo, I wish I had hair like she has. Man, I wish I had that house. I wish I was smart as they are. Man, I, 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 wish, that, I wish that I drove that car. Man, I wish I was successful like they're successful. And we begin to compare ourselves and the enemy has us. And I'm saying to you, count your blessings, not the blessings of someone else. Let God have your life. Let God control your life and, and, and not give Satan the opportunity to rob you of your identity and discourage you from the purpose that God has for you. God has a purpose for you. Good lands. I never knew growing up that God had such a huge purpose for my life. I wouldn't have believed it for a million dollars. I wouldn't have accepted it. And God has a purpose for your life. So be at peace with who you are. Be at peace. If you're saved and forgiven of your sins and you're walking with God today, be at peace with who you are and don't look to somebody else to say, I wish I was like them. Well, I wish I was spiritual like they are. Well, you don't know what they're doing. You see them at church. You don't know their struggle. You don't know what's happening in their life. So be at peace with you, with who you are, and you do that by focusing on what the Lord says about you. You are a new creation. You are a new creation. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus, and he loves you. Psalms 139, 14 says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my, my soul knows it very well. I can tell you right now, this, this passage of Scripture saved my life. Not literally, but I mean saved my life. I remember being on a mission trip in the in, uh, Dominican Republic, and I can remember just hating the person I was and not wanting to be the person I was. And, and I can remember a pastor that was on the trip said, you need to get into Psalms 139. And man, I remember reading that I am fearfully and wonderfully made, that, my, that God knit me together in my mother's womb, that before the creation, before the foundations of the world, God knew everything about me, and all of my days were ordained. And so God loved me with crooked teeth, and God loved me with whatever about me that I didn't like about me. God still loved me, and he created me and made me just like I was made, and he did you as well. Another thing that steals our identity is our loss. Loss can steal our identity. It happens when the children leave home. You know, now you have an empty nest and, and you're no longer a mom or you're no longer a dad now because the children are gone. Or when your husband or your wife passes away and, 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 and you're not a wife or you're not a husband anymore. 
after the man is laid off or retires or gets fired. He's no longer recognized by his occupation. And, and these identities have become the very purpose of our lives and, and, we, and we believe we have no purpose and we have no future. And, and, and so our, our loss can translate into having no reason for living. But Jeremiah says, for I know the plans I have for you. No matter how young you are today, and no matter how old you are today, no matter what's in your past, no matter what people called you, you, God has a plan for your life. He has a plan for your life. And there are plans, they are plans for good and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. No matter how much loss you face in your life, you can still have a future and hope for your life. And it's found in Jesus Christ. So how do you protect yourself from spiritual identity theft? The only way I know, the only way I know is to protect your spiritual identity is by finding your identity in Christ. And in Christ alone. In Christ only. You cannot find your identity in anything this world offers you. Because if you put your hope and you put your identity in your home, what if you lose your home? If you put your identity in how much money you have in the bank account, what if the stock market crashes? If you put your identity in your wife and she's suddenly gone, or your husband and they're suddenly gone. If you put your identity in anything that you can lose, you have no identity. We can only find our identity in Christ only. In Christ only. Look at this scripture. It's in Christ. Oh, back up. I didn't get that one yet. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. I want you to read that with me, okay? It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we're living for. Not everybody did that. Okay, on line two. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. It doesn't give you a list of things that you find out who you are. It says in Christ and only in Christ will I find who I really am. Our single most valuable yet least understood treasure here on earth is our identity in Christ. Man, I'm spitting everywhere. And until, until that thought and that truth becomes prominent in our thinking, we will remain stuck in the impossible struggle to believe we are who God says we are. Really, the only question that matters today is, who do you say I am, Jesus? Jesus, who do you say I am? Because he is the only one who can establish our true identity. Who do you say I am, Jesus? So stop asking about who you are. Uh, stop talking about who you are not and what you cannot do and start listening to what God says about your life. Stop labeling yourself and, stop, and, and start letting God do whatever he wants in your life, through your life, and with your life. You see, it's time that we surrender to who Jesus says that we are. It's time to stop asking God how you can fix yourself and how you can be good enough and, and to accept by faith who Jesus is and who he says you are. And over the next four weeks, Gay and I are going to talk about that, who we are in Christ. Without Christ, our identity is corrupted and evil because of sin. 
And Jesus wants us to shed the old self and put on the new self. He made you, he made you a new creation. He made you to be a new creation with a glorious future and hope. And he can give us this new identity. Jesus said, in a word, what I'm saying is this, grow up. He's saying to us as believers in the church, Jesus is saying to us, in a word, what I'm saying is grow up. You're kingdom subjects. What's that mean? You belong to a different world. You belong in the kingdom of God. You're kingdom of God. You're God's people, you and I. Now he says, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live it out. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives toward you. Folks, in the end, really, we only have two choices in life. Choose God's identity for us or let sin and others define who we are. Don't, be a, don't let spiritual identity theft happen to you. So the only question this morning left for you and I to answer in light of this message is, who am I? Who am I? Now we have heard the truth this morning, but the true test is when we go out into the playing field because we'll be reminded of a lot of those things that Buddy talked about. But we can intentionally say, okay, God, remind me, remind me who I am. Let's stand together. And I want you to sing this out as if you're singing it unto the Lord.
Well, you know, I think about this series and I think about, well, we're kicking off a series about identity in Christ. And the reality is we don't find our identity in Christ unless we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we kick off this series, maybe you've been contemplating a relationship with him and, and you know that you've been finding your identity in all the wrong things and you would like to find it, your identity in Christ. I want to invite you today to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. I'm not talking about a religion here. I'm talking about a relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the great I Am, the God who hung the stars and the moon and the sky wants to be in relationship with us. And so he stepped out of heaven and he died on the cross so that you and I could be forgiven and be in relationship with him. So let's pray, pray together. I'm going to just, I want to just lead you in a prayer of salvation and then gaze go close in prayer and then we'll go. But with all of our heads bowed today and you say, wow, I, you know what, man, I'll tell you, I have struggled my whole life with who I am and to realize that in Christ, I have an identity. I have a purpose. And you'd like to, you'd like to begin to explore that relationship and, and find out who you are in Christ during this series. So would you pray this prayer with me if that's you today and you want to be in relationship with Christ? Maybe you were in relationship one time in your life and you walked away and you want to come back today. Well, pray this prayer. Here it is. Pray along with me. You don't have to pray it out loud. Just pray it in your heart. You can, but you don't need to. Let's pray together. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. Just pray that. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I confess to you that I am a sinner. We all are, but you're just confessing. Jesus, I am a sinner. Please forgive me. Now you say, Jesus, I invite you into my life to be my Savior. You're not praying to me, you're praying to Jesus. I invite you, Jesus, into my life to be my Savior. Jesus, give me a new identity. Now, here's what you do. Thank Jesus. First of all, thank him for dying on the cross for you. Now, thank him for forgiving you of your sins. Now, thank him for being your Savior. Now, with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, uh, I want you to do something that's really important for you, and that's to make a public statement that you prayed that prayer, declaring to God today that you were serious. So with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed and no one looking around, if you're worshiping online, you can go in the chat room maybe and, and tell the pastor. But with all of our heads bowed and all of our eyes closed, no one looking around except Gay and I. If you received Christ today and you prayed that prayer and asked God to forgive you and be your Savior, would you slip up your hand right now? Just raise it right up. Yeah, all over. Put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Anyone? Yes, in the back. God bless you. Anyone else? Yes. I see your hand just went up. Anyone else? Yes, in the back. God bless you. I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, sir. I see your hand over here. Anyone else? Now, here's what I want you to do. It's very, very important that you allow us to walk this journey with you. And Pastor Kelly or Pastor Mark or someone's going to be out there at the table, and they're not going to embarrass you. They just have a little gift for you that they want to talk to you about and give to you before you leave today. It won't take very long at all. But it's really important because we want to do this with you. We want to journey on this life together with you. And so if you'll do that, it will help you. 
Gay's going to pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit that we've experienced here today, God. You have changed us. You have broken some chains of lies that have bound people up for so long. You're beginning to do that in a brand new way. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, every person here, those in this room online, Father. We just pray, Lord, that we will continue to move closer to you. You promised that if we draw close to you, that you would draw close to us, and you have done that here this morning, and so we give you all the glory. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for who you've made us to be, and I pray, Lord, that each one of us will discover our God design. We thank you so much for your love and what you've done here today. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.